Hello, and you should be listening to another episode of Let's Drone Out. Got quite a full house here, uh, Andrew. Oh, well, Andrew doesn't speak, <laughs> but he's here. You've got Jay Hello, hello. hello. Oh, we've got a delay from uh, Andrew there, but hello. Andrew. Speaking again. I think he, he did say he had some internet issues, so he might not be hello. able to speak much. Yes, I'm still here. I think he only speaks when one of us speaks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. J. Chipko. Well, hello again. Hello. Yeah. Um, someone who really matters in the community, the king of Bangard. <laughs> that's, that's pretty rude. Joshua Bardwell. The king of Bangard. <laughs> yeah. I do, I do shop at Bangard a lot. What an honourable title. <laughs> yep. Yep, yep. Not I to was... be confused with the King of Hobby King. I'm not sure which of those I'd prefer. <laughs> <laughs> I shop at Banggood more than I shop at Hobby King, I'll tell you that. Uh, yeah. Yep. Uh, we've got the Prince of Banggood. <laughs> NJ Tech. <laughs> Good evening. And if there ever was a jester of Banggood, it would be the FPV hoovering guru, Tony. Uh -huh. Bonjour. I've never ever shot at Banggood. <laughs> he can't wait. He can't. He's like the the lead time on it is bad. It's and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm for the last time. Um, unfortunately, some sad news. Uh, I will be your host right until I fly. Unfortunately, I am leaving. I'm Who sorry, this? Tony. Yeah. Oh, I'm gonna quit too then. You you got you going as well. Well, you sometimes yeah, but... it's okay. I will relieve you of the burden that is Tony. <laughs> Take it into whatever trash can I dwell in. <laughs> so um, anyway, so Josh, I'm glad I nagged you and got you back on. Me too. Oh man, I like I remember chatting to you and how much I enjoyed it, and you know I wanted to. I, I wanted to go out on a high note and, uh, you know, who, who better to talk to than, you know, my last chance of edumacation from, uh, from, from Dronos, you know, and, and like teach me. Uh, so a few things I, I, I wanted to ask you was, uh, have, have you enjoyed soft mounting your things yet? Yeah, well, I um, I saw I soft mount my flight controllers now. I think you're referring to soft mounting motors, which is uh, sort of a running joke, I guess. Um, that some people no, the soft mounting ESCs is the joke. Yes, soft mounting your props, soft mounting your ESCs, and you know, you joke people joke about this because they think it's gone a little bit far. Um, but you know, soft mounting your gyro is if you look in any other field, actual industrial field, scientific fields. The idea that you would hard mount a gyro is just preposterous, and I I don't know that because I'm in those fields. I know that because people who say that they're in those fields tell me that. So just repeating that, but it, it makes sense. Um, and we only started hard mounting them because uh, we could get away with it. Um, you remember if you go back far enough, you know people did soft mount their flight controllers back before the days of Nase 32 with you know the KK boards and the you know uh, whatever. And it was only with the mini quads that the the prop fundamental got high enough, high enough frequency, and the the magnitude of the vibrations got small enough that we could get away with hard mounting, and so we did. But now the gyros have gotten more sensitive, 
and we're starting to see problems like mid-throttle oscillation, like gyro twitches come out and people say, oh, what's wrong with gyros? Nothing's wrong with them. It's, they've, they've just finally caught up with the rest of the industry. Um, but you can't always soft mount your flight controller. Uh, and so in those cases, I think soft mounting motors is a legitimate approach, as ridiculous as some people seem to think it sounds. Uh, but no, there's no reason to soft mount your ESCs. They don't make vibration. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, the other thing was, um, I, I was wondering, did you catch the news about um, the uh, Dominic dropping a, a bombshell about... Um, yes. The Go ahead. Yeah, clean flight. Yeah. yeah. No, you explain it. Go on. You, you well, apparently, so so here's how here's how it went. There was clean flight, and then Boris came along and started coding like a madman. And for a while, you could only get there wasn't even beta flight this then. It was just clean flight, but Boris was working on it, and he had he never even really I think forked or branched or whatever the term for it is. He was just doing this work on the side, and you would download hexes. Sometimes you would even just have to get them from Dropbox or something. Uh, but his development, and he was pushing the, those changes back into CleanFlight. But Dominic is is very protective of his code. Dominic's the Hydra, the CleanFlight developer. He's very protective of his code, and he doesn't he doesn't he wants it moving a little slower, a little more tested and cleaner. To be honest, that's why he called it CleanFlight. Uh, that that the code was focused on on being clean and maintainable, and not just performance. And of course, Boris went a whole other direction and just was coding like a madman. And eventually, we got Betaflight. Uh, it became an official thing. And Betaflight got leaps and bounds ahead of CleanFlight in so many ways. The PID logic, I mean, go back to CleanFlight 1.11 or 1.10. Just you can do that. You could do this today if you really feel motivated. You could just take your copter, save the config, flash it to CleanFlight 1.10. It's right there in the pull down menu. Go fly it and see how it flies. And it's a real eye opener how far we've come in just a year or maybe yeah. two years. Well, anyway, Dominic finally bit the bullet and said, You're right. Betaflight's too far ahead and we're never going to catch up. This is my interpretation. And he just rebased CleanFlight. Basically, clean flight is beta flight. It's just it's a copy paste. But it's not just that clean flight became beta flight. Clean flight did have a few really exciting features that beta flight didn't have. One of them is an abstraction layer between the configuration options and uh, I don't know. What it means is that you may be able to upgrade between different versions without losing your config. Uh, yeah. and, and that things like saving and restoring config are going to work better. But but essentially that's the big thing. Clean flight is basically to as of today, clean flight is just a copy paste of beta flight more or less. Yeah, because um, like clean flight, the um is you know it had such a nice clean code that if mm. you implemented something new that you wanted to test to see whether it affect you know if it worked, you're you're then left questioning is it is it my code or 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 is it beta flight? Because mm -hmm. there is just patches upon patches, and that's kind of how um, base flight started, you know, falling down. It was just a mess. Yeah, yeah, yep. So, so I think I, Dominic's position. He posted about this. His position is that both clean flight and beta flight benefit from this. That, that for example, beta flight has F four and F seven processor support. It's been yeah. well tested, and that's something that CleanFlight. Uh, frankly, I would be really surprised if CleanFlight had as much development resources as BetaFlight does. A lot of people are working on BetaFlight, and um, so he was able to take advantage of that. 
while, while he, on the other hand, was able to help clean up a lot of Betaflight code and, and add in things like the configuration abstraction layer and a few other things. So mm. I do wonder, though, where, I mean, there's people out there who are flying clean flight because that for a reason. And I wonder Trust if those Dave. people are, are mad that all of a sudden they've been hoodwinked into flying Betaflight. Uh, yeah, I'm... I'm sad to see it go because the the good thing about clean flight was that it was it was so simple for people just starting the hobby and you know is new and there was less concern or head scratching. Do you know what mm -hmm. I mean? It was always mm -hmm. and you know like, like a while ago there was you know there was problems with like um, the you know motor uh, outputs uh, on you know as soon as you armed and stuff like that on on yeah. beta flight and people just don't realize that you know like beta flight could, could could potentially ruin your day yeah i mean the thing beta flight it's still called beta flight right but yeah, i have to reason. say that the amount of testing by the time that you get to an official release not just yeah. a release, a release candidate, but an actual release. Betaflight is is really stable in, in every case that I've seen. I, I can't think of a case. There there have been some bugs that have required hot fixes, but I can't think of a bug. And I, if someone corrects me, I'll acknowledge it. But I can't think of yeah. a bug that would have been like a safety issue, like your motors spin when they're not supposed to, that yeah. made it into a final release. So uh, I do I do see that the the pace at which beta flight updates can be overwhelming for people especially noobs and i to that i say well you don't have to update to every single latest one you could just not you could just skip one if you want but yeah. i think that we'll see that clean flight probably does not develop as fast as beta flight does it sort of did a big jump to catch up but i'll bet that it will slow down again because i mean dominic still is who he is and i don't know yeah. we'll see oh man um, I think um, the other thing I was going to say, just to add to that, is that I think Betaflight has, has made some pretty, uh, you know, decent steps to be non-threatening uh, to the new person as well. Uh, and, and sometimes it's hard, I guess, for any of us that've been doing it for a decent amount of time to be objective from uh, from that point of view. But I mean, if you look at the tooltips now, most people won't will just mm -hmm. kind of rush over that. But if you actually hover the mouse over and look at the tooltips, all this stuff's getting updated and, and codes that we had to go into the CLI to mess around with are no longer in the CLI. They're simplified, the one figure and a tooltip now. Um, and, you know, that progression has also happened. Maybe some of us have been doing it for a while, haven't stopped to notice it. So I think it is, it is getting better on that front too. Yeah, you have got stuff like expert mode. You know, like if you untick that, then you don't get bombarded with loads of extra stuff and i'll agree like you know um beta flight has i mean for a while it was like beta flight on stock pids were absolutely amazing i can't think of what what uh release it was but you know it, it was nice to just flash and and, and go yep. for a while and, and it's it, just gotten better yeah you know, so I don't know. It's, I, I guess the I guess I'm just like, you know, uh, romanticizing about, you, you know, cl clean flight. I guess. I mean, yeah. you never did fix the GPS. Right. These days, I think if you <laughs> want to fly a clean flight uh, type board, then your choice for for acro performance and racing is clearly Beta Flight, and your choice for for GPS assisted flight is iNav. 
right? Yeah. And I'm not sure who's flying clean flight, honestly. And I don't mean any disrespect. I feel bad saying that because I have a lot of respect for for Dominic. And and but for a long time, I've wondered who's flying clean flight because Beta Flight. Well, up until recently, when they did the rebase, Beta Flight flies better in acro mode. Period. And INAV flies better in. I mean, clean flight was never very good at GPS assisted modes, and really didn't have any at all. So I'm not sure who wanted clean flight. Um, maybe people who were just scared of beta flight and all the knobs and dials uh, and it, mm -hmm. put, up, put off by it. Um, the other thing Dominic said in his comments about you know the choice to rebase was that there's a lot more there's a much more active beta flight community uh, right now. So people who want support, if you look at the beta flight thread, you're going to get a lot quicker answers on there. Than on the clean flight thread, although it can be kind of like drinking from a fire hose <laughs> to keep up. So. Uh, Browsers is kicked off with this race flight one, by far the easiest setup for the new user. Yeah, that's, that's... I, I I want base flight or uh, base flight. I want beta flight so bad to do wizards. Like if you look even at something like Libre Pilot, right? Which I haven't I haven't used Libre Pilot, but I understand they have wizards, and I've set up race flight one. Uh, some time ago, I haven't actually got the copter in the air, but the wizards, if you just go to a simulator, right, and they have the transmitter setup wizard where they say, you know, raise your throttle, lower your throttle, left, right, etc. Why does Betaflight not do this? And I've said this to them on the on the Slack, and I'm going to keep harping on it until they do it. They need to, that would make such a big difference. Yeah, it goes back to, uh, it actually goes back before Libra Pilot's Open Pilot. That was, uh, mm -hmm. that was one of the things Open Pilot really got, got right. It was a very, very uh, useful um, and easy to follow wizard that just took a lot of the headache out. And Race, Race Flight, you know, their, their latest, well, the first release candidate came out, I think it was yesterday. Um, so I've been following RF1 and um, the, the wizard, yeah, it's really solid. Everything's worked, nothing... Mm -hmm. uh, Nothing that I can see or hear or heard of so far that requires any hot fixing. So yeah, it's. Uh, yeah. I think it's it's looking good. Have you flown it yet, Josh? I haven't. Um, this was several months ago. I think it was even months ago. Yeah, it was a very early release of Race Flight One, and there was a, a little bit of a. There were two little glitches in it that hit me. They they didn't hit everybody, but they happened to hit me. And I'm so busy that I said, okay, well, I'm going to put it down for now, and I'm pick it up later. And and because I just didn't want to spend a lot of time fiddling with it. And it's not fair to criticize it if it's not released yet, right? So I just mm -hmm. said, okay. so I haven't come back to it yet. The build is it's that one right behind me on the wall. Uh, that's the oh, Shenzhen. No, not the hat. That's <laughs> my, my ready-made RC hat that I should be wearing. <laughs> yeah, no, um, I'm going to try say I've started posting the build series for that quad, which is going to be my final motivation to actually get race flight one on it and fly it. I'm always five weeks behind on seven different projects. And so what I'm working on at any given moment is whatever thing is most pressingly obvious that I need to get it done. And since I've started posting the build series for that copter, people are going to start asking, well, how does it fly? So I really need to get it flying. <laughs> I can't ignore oh, it. Anymore. So, how does have any of you guys flown Race Flight? Is it amazing? Race Flight One. Yeah, race flight I've, one. I've, I've flown. Um, I've flown the latest one as of uh, yesterday or the day before, and I, I, not long ago, maybe a week ago, put up a video of <clears throat> flying Race Flight One, and I was actually stunned that I because I always fly stop pits and then and then start shooting once I see where I'm at, and it was 
just in, pretty incredible actually um, for straight out of the box PIDs. They're, they're, they're definitely doing something something right. It needs a little tweak, but um, I'm very impressed so far. Now, now let me ask you this, because I've heard, and I've heard too many people say this for it not to be true. Too many people have said, I, and I flew race flight one and I was stunned, amazed, blown away, whatever. So there's gotta be something there and I'm looking forward to it. But when you say stunned, how well it flew with stock PIDs, did it, if you take like the best tune, say beta flight quad, you could tune versus the stock PIDs or the even the tune PIDs. Is race flight one like on another level entirely or yeah. is it, it's, it, it starts out at the same level I wouldn't I mean? say it starts out at the same level. I think if that was the case, I, I would I would personally consider that lucky. I don't think I'd uh, I'd say, wow, it's just completely nailed it out of the box. I mean, there's no kind of auto tuning here, but there's there's something in there that is there's there's a high level. It's well above what I would expect it to be. Uh, you know, I'd expect to go out there and and start to have to move whole numbers around to to, to right. push it close to where I want it. I mean, this particular quad, the CAG is quite good. It's a pure X frame, so I expect maybe to bring pitch down a little bit than where it would normally come. Um, and I was, yeah, I was fairly stunned to see that all I had to do was put the rates up where I wanted them, and I was able to. I was. It felt familiar very quickly, and I was able to uh, just get on and fly without let, thinking about the tune too much. So let me let me ref, let me reframe. Let me try to reframe the question. I remember the first time I flew, way back when, going from. Do you remember gyro LPF equals 42? And then mm -hmm. Boris came up with the soft filters. And the first time I flew with the soft filters instead of gyro LPF, it felt like taking like fuzzy glasses off your face. Yeah. It was a revelation. The copter felt so much more connected, precise. And then it's, it just kept getting better from there. But I'm wondering if race flight is like that, if it's like oh, you've ascended, or if it's it's the best of the current level but you get there easier. You see what I'm asking? Yeah, I see where you're going. <laughs> I mean, I could just, I could just, I could just, I could just fly it for myself, right? But that would be too. Yeah. Easy. Let's just talk about it. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think it's somewhere between those two points. Um, without saying it's, it's, it's not. I don't think it's quite as as much as a revelation of that. But it was enough for me to go, wow, that's, you know, that's that's really quite locked. There's there's very little nice. for me to do here. Nice. Um, it felt. I'll tell you the best way to put it for me. It felt like. Perhaps the tuning envelopes are larger. Yeah, that made more sense. Absolutely. Um, I think that's that's probably a better way to to describe it. But I haven't really got my hands fully dirty in terms of the tuning yet. So um, because I've been able to be lazy. But um, yeah, <laughs> I guess we'll find that out, and so will you, I guess. I've felt that way uh, about Betaflight. That the latest improvements in the last you know whatever months or or so have have been not just made the copter fly better they've not just made the copter able to fly better at the top of the envelope but they've extended the envelope where you could get a pretty decent tune you know and that gives you more freedom to tune the pids to your feel so you could say i like a sharper feeling copter or i like a softer feeling copter but you're not going to get any objectively bad effects anywhere in that range whereas before you you had to tune to fix the bad things and then the feel that you got was what you were stuck with but on the flip side, it makes my job harder as a sort of a tuning guru because nowadays people are like, well, how do I tune? And I'm just like, I put the default PIDs on and go fly. And I don't know if you want it to feel different, go ahead. But it's kind of no guideline for tuning anymore because nothing bad happens. 
Yeah, so it's like the, the biggest envelope before was always well, I guess still is always your, but um, yeah, it does feel like the the other the other axes are, are getting that kind of width to them, mm-hmm. almost like a sort of as you say, as as that 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 larger area now almost becomes like tuning set point weight or something where you're actually kind of fine tuning within that envelope. Interesting. Has anyone like flown a quad? Uh, recently that didn't have um you know one shot active braking you know the old protocol escs where it kind of just drifts around and you kind of like guide it like a granny who's not too sure whether she's at a supermarket <laughs> you know that's the only way i can describe it mm-hmm. like no, not done that no reason I, I, I flown i flew one the other day and i I just I remember that uh, what was it LP whatever filter Jaro LPF yeah low pass filter oh my word yeah he just changed everything it was just like um, Andrew came up with a good point um, is it is it a revolution or an evolution right yeah, um, I like that yeah so the race flight guys of course would say and by the race flight guys I mean Preston. He would say, oh my God, it's a revolution. It's the best thing ever. It cooks your breakfast. And I'm just never sure how much of that is Blarney, you know, and how much is legit. Um, But so many pilots are also saying it's amazing. And if you look at the racers, who a lot of the racers, and they just, they fly what works. They're not screwing around and they're flying, uh, they're flying race flight. So there's something to it, I guess. Okay. Um, uh, Loads of people in the chat are asking, Tone, what are you eating? (laughs) <laughs> I am eating a patty, Jamaican patty, All right. full of vegetables. Okay. Um, Josh, uh, one question I did want to ask you about was um, there was a guy who posted up about the Furious uh, D um, and someone broke their goggles. because The, of the True D. Pa- True D, that's it, yeah. Yeah. Um, due to ripping too much current and a riveting cable apparently yep yep uh you had any problems what's your thoughts blah 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 so here's here's the issue in case people are not up on it um all of and this is true for all of the fat shark modules that have a screen uh the two pineapples is probably uh omitted but all the fat shark modules that have a screen they basically pull more current this is fat shark's position is they pull more current than the goggles are designed for at startup, there's a startup rush of current. After the, the goggles are running, then they're pulling about, fit my, my measurements, they're pulling about 50% more amps. So it goes from about 450 amp, milliamps to about 600 and so milliamps, 650 milliamps, which is fine. But there's a big rush at the beginning. And the issue that I believe they're talking about is that there's a ribbon cable that carries the current. And the ribbon cable has two positive wires in it, but only one negative wire, which is enough for the for the um, for the goggle electronics, but not enough for the modules. And in a very very small percent of cases, the ribbon cable burns out because it overheats and eventually it wears out. Uh, I spoke with a person in the industry who I'm not free to name, who said it is like less than one percent of cases, in his opinion, um, or her opinion. No. <laughs> Uh, but but it does happen to some people, and if that happens, um, well, number one, don't call Fat Shark support because they will tell you to go 
screw yourself. Um, they will, they will, they will charge you, I think, seventy or eighty bucks to fix it. Was what people have told me. And then you can just order the new ribbon cable and replace it. Is the other thing you can do if you know the specs for the cable. Um, but it does it doesn't affect very many people at all. The other uh, thing, though. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, sorry. Uh, I got an email. I was emailing the, guy, the guys today, and they told me the three point one update has lowered the voltage on startup. I don't know if you've heard that. Yeah, one. what they'll do is, for example, they will not power on the screen immediately. So they'll power up one radio, then they'll wait a second, they'll power up the other radio, then they'll wait a second, they'll power up the screen. And they try they they can manipulate that to reduce the inrush current. Um so that's nice. The other thing that just got announced today is that with the Furious FV True D V3. There is a defect in the manufacturing that means that if you press on the module, I guess you'd have to have the cover off, you can cause the two boards to touch each other in such a way that a regulator shorts out and burns out. And they're releasing, and they're, apparently they're sending this to all, basically everybody who has the True DV3, I think. It's a little 3D printed plastic separator that goes in between Spicer. the boards. Spacer, thank you that you can install in between the boards. Um, so I guess the moral of that story is if you have a true DV3, don't squish it with your fingers while it's powered on. I don't know. And try to get that spacer and install it. But again, I think this is an issue that affected a very small number of people um, and, and that most people are not going to be affected by it. Of course, the people who have the problems shout the loudest and, and, and do rightly so. Uh, Bradders says about the um, back to race flight, Says the defaults are always high filters, so the covers a bigger range of quads. And Erin asks, why, why your often has so much jitter? After arm says it's because the plane the motors are in, it gets more vibration. Is that true? Yeah, that's a very interesting question. Um, the the bit about yaw, I, I think that makes sense that you're going to get more vibration on the yaw plane than the because in order to get vibration on the pitch and roll plane, you need the motor to be moving or vibrating up and down, or you need a variance in the thrust if the prop is on. You need a, a sort of a regular variance in the thrust, and if your bearings are tight, right, and your C clips are tight, your motor bell is pressed on to the right tension, then you shouldn't really have very much up and down vibration. Um, you're going to get some up and down vibration because of resonance. So the frame will essentially, you know, oscillate like a string at a very, very small magnitude. And that'll create a little bit, but most of it is going to be in the yaw axis. That, that makes a lot of sense. Anytime there's a difference in the torque of the motors between the two diagonally opposing motors, you'll get a yaw moment and then you'll get some vibration there. Um, the, the, the twitching is very interesting. Uh, you know, why do we see the twitching on the yaw gyro the most and not the other gyros? And I really don't know the answer to that. Um, I don't know. There's yeah. another thing that was interesting is on top of what you're saying about the uh, the uh, the C-clip. And this was, I guess, one advantage from the C-clips um, compared to, well, you know, we now have the screws that go in the bottom of the hollow shafts. If you get that tension wrong, because some of them aren't necessarily going to go up and, and uh, as the screw goes into the bottom of the shaft, have the perfect amount of tension. Some of those shafts are okay. actually ever so slightly shorter so that you set that tension yourself. And if you do over, if you put too much tension in, you're pressing on those inner races mm -hmm. of the bearings and you are going to have problems as well as if it's too loose. And as Josh said, you'll have that sort of uh, vertical vibration. 
Um, so if you clean or service your motors, when you put them back together and they've got that hollow shaft with the screw in the end, you have to be kind of aware of that because you can end up with more problems than when you started. And what I've done, if I have a press fit shaft uh, or, or a shaft that's um, got a grub screw, what I'll do is I'll install the C-clip on the shaft. I'll, I'll insert the shaft in the bell, right? The, the, the shaft will come up from the bottom. The bell will come onto the top. And I'll take a C-clamp and I will screw down the C-clamp so it presses in the shaft to the bell. And that allows you to set the tension very, very precisely because you can give just another eighth of a turn on the screw on the C-clamp, you see, and it'll press it in just that half a millimeter more until the tension is exactly where you want it. Oh, um, great idea. But, but honestly, I can't remember the last time I actually serviced a motor because <laughs> I just it's so much hassle for so well, little pay. We, we, we've we've got so much bad weather at the minute I mean just the other day we went into the muddiest field and yeah I mean there was no option at that point yeah, but, yeah. yeah. if you can get away with it why bother I agree fly them till they're fly them till they're junk and then replace them maybe that's the attitude <laughs> of a of a big shot YouTube star who doesn't have to buy his own motors anymore that's right <laughs> so yeah he's he, like josh is just balling got no budget you know what i mean he breaks a prop he changes the motor <laughs> Change the That's it. i try um, to remember that i'm still at heart a cheap bastard uh i feel like being a cheap bastard is his own reward and if people were pouring money on me and pouring there you can get expensive stuff and i'm like i still want cheap stuff you know because i just feel bad about no, uh, yeah he's keeping it real i try right, i do my best um kiss uh unfortunately had a weird sort of update i don't know whether any of you guys noticed but one of few people were saying that they were having fires and that and they released a new update i haven't heard anything else but i wondered if any of you guys i know josh doesn't care because it's uh kiss I haven't been back to Kiss for ages. I've, I've, you know, I did fly it for a good six months. So I can't be accused of of being of not being objective about all the different flight controllers. I try and fly them all, but um, mm. I haven't been back. I mean, my biggest problem with Kiss, as I mentioned before, was just the the issue with lifting solder pads and and just the 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 level of the hardware. Not on the ESC side. I think the ESCs are great, but the um, the actual flight board. There's been too many issues with that and. Yeah, I haven't been back to it. I will go back to it, and I will have a look at the latest stuff. But uh, as as of now, uh, I'm out. It's just uh, race flight and beta flight at the minute. Traitor. Well, not not <laughs> the not the. Uh, not it flies the, great. Uh, don't get me wrong. Kiss flies great. There's there's no question. It's a fantastic flight controller. As I said, my issue was with the hardware. But um, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Jay flies Kiss, don't you, Jay? Yeah, mine was I think 103 version of the hardware board, and I've not had any problems. It's crashed well. It's flown well. It still flies well. And actually, I really like the newest uh, update, but I I don't have Kiss ESCs though. Uh, yeah, just, I, I just, yeah, I I don't know. I was, I was skeptical, like, you know, how can an update? I said no. Uh, oh yeah, hang on. I've got yeah. Erwin asked Josh Stewart, uh is into HD like Connex with the new Fat Shirt goggles. Uh, yeah, he wants to know what what you think of the new. Yeah. HD stuff. Well, I can. I up until this weekend, I would have said I haven't flown it yet. But I can actually. I went this weekend to Louisville, and uh, I met I met Boba Fett and we and some of his friends, and we hung out and flew for a little bit. And I asked him to bring his Connex set. And I, here's here's one thing that you need to know about Connex. I said to him, "Hey, will you bring your Connex? Will you bring your Pro site so I can try it?" I said, "Hey, have you tried Clearview? 
you want to try my Clearview? He said, oh, yeah, I have tried Clearview. I don't have one. Do you want to trade me for my ProSight? I'll trade you the goggles and the ProSight for your Clearview. Wow. So for people, who ask, for people who ask, you know, well, ProSight versus Clearview, I kind of feel like that story tells you something. Yeah. Um, I tried the ProSight. Uh, I can say this. I say this positive about it. It looks amazing. The resolution is unreal. Um, the latency for me is acceptable, but I also fly the Runcam Eagle and find its latency acceptable. And I'll tell a little, I'll, I'll tell a little sub story about that. Then I'll come back to the Connex. So Bob Fed again, he said, man, I can't fly the Eagle. The latency is no good. And I said, well, that's interesting. And then I watched his FPV feed while he flew and holy crap. I was, I was in my mind, I was cringing because I would have crashed into seven trees while he was just going, doo, 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 doo. his response time, his reaction time is so much faster than mine. I literally was, was a half a second behind him seeing the crash and cringing while he dodged the tree and went around it and kept going. So I wonder if people who say that latency is an issue either on the Eagle or on the Connex have much faster reaction times than me. And that's why I don't notice a difference. Anyway. I thought the ProSight, uh, the way it broke up was no good. When we, when we flew behind an obstacle, it breaks up in this kind of smeary way. Have you ever had your video like miss a keyframe and all video kind of smears like you're on acid or something? Not that any of you have ever done that, of course. The ProSight does that, and I found it really hard to fly through. And I flew the exact same pattern with my goggles afterwards, and it was staticky but completely flyable. So I say you combine that with the fact that the receiver and the camera are like 150 bucks. So that's for every quad you want to outfit. That's another 150 bucks. And if you break one, you're boned. And the camera's exposure is not that great. The color is not that great. So I don't think pro. I think ProSight is going to be really exciting, like one or two generations from now. But right now, it's too expensive and it doesn't perform well. Maybe if you were on like a camera drone where you needed the high def FPV feed and you weren't concerned about latency and penetration, but not for racing for sure, not for acro. That's my opinion. I I fly the um, on one of my quads. You know the higher resolution HS one one seven the mm -hmm. like MT. 1200 mm -hmm. that when it goes to tony's been out and tony was nice enough to go fetch my quad <laughs> from the other field when it gets to a certain darkness the frame rate goes really weird and smeary mm -hmm. and then i crash and then poor tony has to go get it it was pretty dark right i know but i've found that the eagle at least has really excellent light handling I'm not sure if it's better than 1177 with the IR filter removed. I'm not sure about that. But it, the dynamic range and the light handling on the Eagle is, is I think, spectacular and one of the reasons I stick with it. Then Josh. Seen Metal Danny's clear view videos in his underground racing. It's amazing mm -hmm. how much difference it, it makes. Yeah. Clearview is the real deal. When I first when I first want, got a Clearview to review, the basic question I wanted to answer was, is it marketing BS and hype or is it the real deal? And I can say without hesitation that it's the real deal. It is the best ground station you can get today for analog for sure. And the only question is whether it's worth the money to you. That's the only How question. How much is it? It is a lot of money. 400 for the racing version and 700 for the pro version. The racing version is the same RF performance and magic algorithms, but there are some convenience features locked out, basically, is what it boils down to. Um, what's its footprint like? Is it anything like the Connex system? I'll show you. Hold on. Massive. I've never seen... Like, 
All right, that's it. I've... Look at Metal Danny's videos. He's got some clear views. And yeah, how, really, how really even amazing. is clean? And it's like underground car park racing, and you just there's no breakup. That's the that's the yeah. That's Sorry so, for talking over your tone. I didn't mean to. Andrew asks her. Somebody asks, "How even is Clearview different?" Um, all I can say is, is, is if you want to see the how Clearview is different, then you need to go to YouTube. You look at Metal Danny's channel, or you look at my channel. You search for Clearview, and you'll find some videos with side by side comparisons, and you can see there's there's no uh, glitching or breakup. There's no full screen rolling. There's no white slashes when you get the multi pathing. When it, when it breaks up, number one, it doesn't break up as much. It simply has better range. And number two, when it does break up, it's a very analog style fuzz that's very able to fly through and very predictable as opposed to your picture is kind of good and then it's gone. It doesn't do yeah. that. Um, I don't mean to turn this into a Clearview commercial, but <laughs> if you want to know how it does it, no one knows. It's a secret. It, it's, mm -hmm. a, it's a patented uh, secret and people speculate but the bottom line is it's magic <laughs> Wizards. um when i said about the footprint of it, it i meant like inside the quad you know oh. like with, with the yeah like i don't know is it as big as an immersion no no it's a or it's a standard it works with any standard analog transmitter you don't have to have a special transmitter it's all in the it's, all, it's all in here yeah. What? Yeah. Witchcraft. Special magic and filter. And that's why. That's. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, we're just amazed at the witchcraft and the the magic that's going inside. Kill it with fire. Is that what you said, Tony? <laughs> Is that what you said? Is that no, what? I said pink. Pink smoke comes out if you open it. Yeah. I, that's why I think this is, I think, better than than ProSight. One of the reasons is that you can have a thirty dollar camera and a $10, a $20 transmitter, and you can get shockingly good performance. And that translates to every single quadcopter you have. You, you put the money into the ground station, and you have normal equipment and the copter, and, and I think that's much more cost-effective. If you only had one copter to outfit, then, then a Clearview with an analog camera and a ProSight are about the same price, you know, the Clearview Racing. You're going to come in around 500 bucks uh, or so, and that's close to parity. But if you have two copters, you spend 50 bucks for a camera and a video transmitter for the analog copter, and you spend 150 bucks for the ProSight, is the numbers that I looked up last. I think those numbers are approximately right. And so if you have a standard race stable of three copters, right, you take three copters, three of the same copter to the race, which is what I've heard that some racers do. I'm not much of a racer. Well, now you're $450 more expensive, $300 more expensive for the, uh, for the ProSight compared to, you know, $50, $60 more expensive something hundred dollars i've lost track of the math you see what i'm getting at <laughs> okay on, on uh yeah chad's asking about uh thunder powers and adrenaline adrenaline versus tattoo line on the reeve electrics graphene versus drone bits yeah um I, you know i i can say that i've tested tattoo r line i have tested adrenaline uh and I have not tested drone bits. R-Line and Adrenaline are both very good batteries. You know, I run a test. I, I, I like to say about my battery testing is I run 
basically one test. It's a 60 amp discharge. And I feel like that test is a very good indicator of how a battery is going to perform in the air. The amount of sag, a battery that sags less and stays cool is I think going to be, perform better in the air and last longer. But at the end of the day, I'm not running 50, 100 cycles through these batteries because I just, I have other things to do with my time, right? So, so for example, Tattoo, uh, they advertise that one of their selling points is that their batteries don't puff and they last a long time. If that's true, maybe, I don't know it, you know? So you don't pick these batteries just solely based on the results of my testing. If there's a battery that performed well in my testing, but it has a better price or you think it lasts longer, then take that one. Don't just take the one that did the best in my testing. So Tattoo, R-Line, Thunder Power, all very good. Reeve Electrics, I will say this about Reeve Electrics. The Reeve Electrics high volts that I tested were terrible. And what I mean by that is they performed very well for the first like five or 10 cycles. They got super hot and they puffed literally in some cases within like 10 cycles. They were puffed, they were sagging, they were useless. Um, I tested recently some Reeve Electric's graphenes, not high volt, just graphenes. They performed okay, but not spectacular. Uh, I have a little bit of uh, suspicion, I guess, a little bit of hesitance around the Reeve Electric's name because some of their batteries have been so short-lived. Maybe other ones are fine, but I would I would pick a different brand personally. Isn't there only like four factories what make batteries anyway? I've heard that said. Yeah, they just make them to spec. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, I'm gonna call time, guys. Um, Josh, you are. Thank you for. <laughs> um, thank you for coming on. And thank you. Thank you for being here. And you know you've you've been great as always. I've learned stuff, um, you know, and it's, I, I, it's always a pleasure to tune in and you know go on your channel and see what you're up to. And uh, you know, I, I hope that one day you'll get those Tyrannus uh, switch screw bits. Yep, I'm gonna get that wrench. Thank you for telling me where that is. Yeah, no problem. Uh, bang good plug. Bang good plug. Yeah, King of Bangor. Um, uh, the only, the only thing is you've unwillingly entered into a contract where I insist you do a review on them. The wrenches. Yeah, please. Just it'll be me. the it'll be this massive hype train video. Oh, uh, nah, just go to town. You, you know, need like, this wrench. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it's it's always better than like stabbing yourself in the finger or worse. The, mm -hmm. the scratch with the screwdriver trying to undo the little nuts on the screws on the Tyrannus. You don't want that. Yeah. You should see my Tyrannus is so grungy. You don't even want to know. People are like, ooh, I hydro dipped my Tyrannus. And I'm like, would that cover up the dirt? Because that would be yeah. okay. Uh, you know when your uh, Tyrannus is grungy as if it smells of teen spirit. Didn't <laughs> <Very> good. <laughs> um, right, guys, thank you very much. I've you know uh unfortunately it is my last hosting on let's drone out i will uh jay and mm. andrew will be taking over hopefully nj will will take will fill my place i think he's be here as often than, as i can sure yeah um i think he's more than capable uh the show will move over we've got a dedicated let's drone out channel which I am going to put into the chat and on the bottom of this video. And the guys will also, um, also, you, 
plan on moving the time so we're not uh so you're not taking on and competing with the rc groups yeah podcast. i mean we'll, obviously we may change draft that slightly so but we'll be sure to let you know before we actually start doing that yeah so... as, as of next week it'll be the same time 8 p.m gmt on a thursday yeah so apart from that yeah so none of my hooliganism uh, uh but it's been it's been good you know uh, let your own out will always be my baby and i'll be around and hopefully i'll help the guys get interested people and i will just be a producer so it's all good man but yeah thank you for for like tuning in and um you know like it's it's been a you know it's been a blast guys thank you very much you know it's been fun with you over this uh, last year and a half jack yeah man i had fun so yeah and thanks to everyone that's listened in in that year and a half to this day yeah thank you guys i really appreciate it man i've i've met some good people along the way and had some really good times and i don't know i might start up a project when i'm feeling a bit better but uh yeah uh, that's all from me man over to jay nj tony if uh if i let him out of my dungeon <laughs> well, that's it. Uh, signal, signal for help, Tony. Signal for help. <laughs> Safe word. Okay. Thank you, Josh. Take care and good night. <laughs>